I just don't know what our life would look like right now if we hadn't done this. And I, it scares me to think what our life would look like if we hadn't done this, because I think we would have missed out on a lot of amazing opportunities to be together with each other, with our kids and doing the things in life that we are the most happy about doing. This is The One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. My name is Jeff Woods. I'm the vice president here at The One Thing Team. When we look at the goals that we set for this year, we know statistically the number one goal that people set going into the new year is around health. The second, getting organized. The third, money. Spending less, getting on a budget, increasing income. The challenge is, when it comes to money, you definitely do not succeed alone because if you have a significant other, you know there's no way you can truly achieve your financial goals if you are not on the same page. Today is a case study of a couple that a decade ago started doing their couple's goal-setting retreat. They started with some very simple questions that we will give you guys access to. And it's evolved to where it is today, where they attend our annual retreat and they do weekly family 411s. And for the number one subject that couples fight about being money, you're going to hear a couple that no longer fights about money. We're going to break down how this is even possible. And the one thing you can do today, such that by doing it would make everything else easier or unnecessary. With that, let's get into this episode with Jen and JP Lewis. We're here today to talk about what becomes possible when you sit down with the people that matter most to you and you set goals together. Now, so to give people a little background on who you are, Jen, you are the lead agent on the Papazan Property Group. So you work directly with Jay Papazan's wife, Wendy. So you're plugged into the ecosystem. And JP, you've been an executive at Keller Williams for how many years? 14 years. And you know, you're the executive director of regional development for KW Worldwide. So both of you, um, serious professionals, you know, enjoyed success in your career. I'm curious if we go back to 10 years ago, when you started doing your goal setting retreat, what life was like back then? For a lot of people who have been following the podcast or who came to our couples retreat last year or who went through the online course, they're doing it for the first time. How long have you been doing this together? Almost about nine years now. Nine years now. Yeah, nine years. It'll be, this will be our 10th year of planning when we get into the 2019 planning season. Yeah, almost a decade. What was life? Take us back to the beginning. If you can even remember that far, you're going into your first retreat together. Why did you even decide to do it to begin with? I was forced. Yeah. Well, it was, <laughs> we were dating. Honestly. Uh, um, we weren't even married yet. And it's the one, it's the retreat I remember the most because um, I, of course, have been at Keller Williams for about 14 years. So I, I say, of course, meaning I was surrounded by great leaders, Jay Papazan and, and others that were following these models. And so I'd been really wanting to share it with someone that I was romantically involved with. And of course, Jen's amazing. So I introduced the idea to her and um, it took a lot of co- coax- coaxing. coaxing at first to some degree. A lot. But um, yeah. I think she was game. It was really about, I was doing it alone for so long that I really needed to share it with someone. So I guess my aha from it is if I had 
hadn't been surrounded by the people I was surrounded with in Keller Williams, I would have never even thought to do it as as a couple. So I feel very grateful that I was surrounded by the right people. Well, I'm glad we're starting here and I appreciate the honesty because I've gotten on the phone with a decent number of people who have had an interest in going through the course or attending the retreat. And the one thing that's giving them pause is they're not actually sure if their plus one will buy in, whether that's a spouse, a business partner, part of their team, doesn't matter. They're just not sure how to communicate this in a way that would relate to them because we're finding most people, um, sure, sometimes couples are both goal setters, but it seems the odds are one is not. So what was going through your mind when he first brought this up, Jen? Um, I think I was feeling a little bit like it was going to stick me in a place for too long that I, that was going to be uncomfortable and I didn't want to do it. So, um, I'm a very goal oriented person, but I'm big picture. I don't like to dive into the minutia as much as JP does. So when he started talking about it, that's all I could think of was, oh, this is going to be like just diving into the minutia of everything for two days. And I don't understand what the need of it. You can do that on your own and then we'll we'll do big picture later. And it, it didn't make sense to me yet because I hadn't experienced it. But when he explained the outcome, the goals of what was going to be on the other side of it, it helped me reframe it a little bit better that you know this was really to make sure that we were set up for the year, that we were set up for the next 10 years, that our children were going to be happy and of course, he threw in like, and we get to plan our vacations. So yeah. there were some things in there that were exciting to me, which helped me just kind of give in the first time. So, so I want to flip it because we fast forward to today. You've been doing this for almost a decade. There are so many people out there. This is their biggest challenge is, what if my plus one's not a goal setter? What if our goals aren't the same? How do I get them on the same page? What do you say to those people who were in your shoes 10 years ago and going, I don't want to touch that with a 10 foot pole. Yeah, um, that's a great question. I really think that had I known what I know now, I would have done this 10 years prior. So I think the thing that scares most people the most is the unknown. So why let it keep scaring you? If our goals aren't the same, that's okay. It doesn't make it a good or a bad goal. It makes us aware and insightful of what it is that the other person wants. And if there's a way to bridge that gap where we both get what we want or we end up helping each other get what each other wants, then it's all for the good. Or I don't know, I guess if I were in a worse situation, um, I don't know that it would be a bad thing to realize that you're on different pages and is our marriage strong enough to handle that? I guess. Yeah, I, I would agree with that completely. I think the saving grace from a real tactical perspective for that first one that we tried to do and we failed at it many times. But on that first one, we were very successful was we leaned on the questions that Jay and Wendy provided. The fact that I, by sheer grace of God or or, or pure luck, I asked those questions instead of making statements to her, Mm -hmm. I think it's the reason she accepted it. And, And I also gave myself permission to pause and not judge anything she was saying. So I think from the beginning, we got off on the right foot because of those questions and not trying to bring our own opinions in. So I want to repeat back what I just heard, because I think it's really important. People may have skipped over it. 
I think it's easy in a relationship. There's We're not the same people. Um, we're not equally assertive. We're not equally intense. We're not equally emotional or sensitive. And sometimes we make declarative statements. And what those questions allowed you to do, JP, was to ask thoughtful questions that allowed Jen to self-discover answers that maybe you wanted to say otherwise, but because it was her idea, there was some ownership and buy-in over it. And you felt like you had more of a partnership. Yeah. yeah, we literally sat on the same side of the table at the restaurant, uh, pulled them out, looked at one copy. We didn't sit across from the table from each other. The physical setup of it felt very like we're going to look at this together and ask the question of each other uh, collectively, not me asking her. Yeah. So for whatever reason, it sort of fell out that way the first time. Mm-hmm. We've tried to emulate it every time, but we've absolutely, like any married couple, have fallen into the trap of bringing in judge or blame it and, and, and just kind of getting off track, but the core of it is always there. And thankfully there's a model to go back to. Yeah. I would say the key for me coming back to it after the first time was what JP said. There was a lack of judgment. I mean, you know, there was a question here or there that felt judgy in response. Like, why do you need to spend so much money on your hair and spa? <laughs> um, That's the most curious way to ask the, that right, the, And for those of you who are going, Okay, what are these questions? If you go to the one thing.com, that's with the number one in the URL, click on free stuff, you will see the kick ass guide to your couple's goal setting retreat. These are the questions that Jay and Wendy have curated over a decade and shared with thousands of people. These are the questions that Jen and JP started with that really kicked off their annual ritual of doing a retreat together. You can get it for free if you go to the one thing.com, click on free stuff, and you will see it there. I think when he saw my frustration with his response quickly backed down and realized like that's not the point. The point of the retreat that I think may get missed by the person who doesn't want to do it is not to do that. It's not to judge each other's answers. It's just to know what those answers are and figure out what the best next step is to go down that path together, whether that's separately and together at different times. I think the the biggest fear I had for sure was being judged about the way I spend money, the way I think about money. Um, what I want in life, is it not good enough for what he wants in life? I think those things were the key fears behind my lack of buy-in in the first one. Oh, yeah. Men and women have so many different shame issues that are just impossible to avoid completely. So the best thing you can do, in my opinion, is give yourself permission to just, exactly like Jen said, the goal is just awareness. It's like in your dating. We, we go on these dates with people we're just meeting and we're really curious about everything about them. And then all of a sudden you get in a solid relationship or a marriage and you, the curiosity stops. Well, well, why stop? So just give yourself permission, at least on the first one, that it's just about awareness. There is no discussion or decision that we're going to do anything differently, but we're going to leave this weekend knowing where each other want to go. Mm-hmm. And then maybe revisit it later. It could be a week later or a couple of days, maybe even just a few hours. But give yourself that space. I think it's really important. I mean, I think the big goal is the net worth goal. We are net worth millionaires. And 10 years ago, I was in debt. So we weren't married. I was in debt. We both owned home. He owned two homes. I owned one home. But I never foresaw the ability to get to a place financially that we're at. Not only the net worth itself, but the safety net that we've built in our life with cash on hand. And with planning ahead of time for those trips and those special moments with our kids that I don't 
know if we would have been able to do all of that had we not been doing this one activity every year. Absolutely. I'd say Jen, when we first met, was a longtime successful executive professional at IBM. And she's switched for the last five years now to being in real estate. I don't think we would have done that together or I, I would have understood her vision or her goals to be as supportive as I hope I was. Um, the trips with our children was a huge deal, which wasn't, it was really about reallocating money to the things that we both agreed were important and maybe starting to learn together about what the things are that weren't so important. So in 10 years, the net worth was huge, the travel, career changes, and just being on the same page during huge life changes like moving from houses and, and just normal life events, we were more on the same page because of it. So I want to dive in there because you said something really important, which is reallocating funds and time to what matters most. So many people know how to set goals, but they don't know how to have a relationship with them. They don't know how to, based on what their goal is, how to absolutely be appropriate in the moment. Meaning that the actions that they take right now are absolutely aligned with where they want to go. Walk us through what those examples looked like and talk about these trips and reallocating things. What did this really look like? I mean, I think when we look at what the big goals are for the year, we definitely look at prioritizing, um, taking that that 80% and putting it aside and looking at what the 20 what are those top things that we really want to do? And what does that include? And what is that going to cost us? And um, and then how much money every month would we have to save to make those things work? And does that fit in our budget? Okay, if that does, then when we add in everything else that we want to do, does it work? Or do we need to take some of those 80% items and put them aside? So what's a trip uh, that you guys got clarity on that by sitting down once a year, you cast your vision, you realize, wow, this trip is a priority. And what were the things that you started to realize were true distractions that would have sabotaged you even being able to take that trip? Uh, the first thing that comes up to my mind, you might agree with, is taking our daughter, who's now 12. By the way, we have a 12-year-old daughter and a 7-year-old boy. At the time we started this, she was two and a half. And um, taking her to Puerto Rico because she was learning Spanish and... Um, and also the Bahamas. So taking her out of the country, so to speak, for the first time was a huge priority for us because she was learning Spanish. She was learning different cultures from around the world. And we wanted her to actually experience that and not wait like I did till her 20s to even get on an airplane. We wanted her to have that experience and um, yeah. reallocating um, you know, material things, the furnishings and, 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 and furniture and just stuff that you normally think you have to buy to fill up a home. We were less focused on that and more focused on, you know, going on these kind of adventures. Yeah. I think it was also for me, it's time. And part of the process of budgeting for these vacations was making sure I allocated time for them as well, which in my business, time is money. And every week I'm away is a deal I might not be working on. So realizing, um, and Jay said this, <clears throat> Jay and Wendy said this, and I think as Gary said it to them, that you only have so many spring breaks with your kids. Yeah. So when we sit down and we think about what our year looks like, spring break is a priority always. It's a trip that we get to take with our kids. So I have to allocate the time. I have to make sure that we, I have to, I desire to, I don't have to, I yeah. desire to make the time. And I desire to work with JP on our budgeting to to ensure that we have the right amount of money to allocate towards that, where at the end of the year, we're not looking back, regretting we did it for financial reasons or or just not making it a priority. Yeah. The awareness, again, going back to that first 
conversation helped because the way we were taught to think about money was polar opposites. I was saving for every possible disaster that could happen and not really enjoying the fruits of a great career at Keller Williams. And meanwhile, Jen was taught the opposite, enjoy it and, and spend it and, and, and don't worry about it with the you future. When you die. <laughs> yeah. And so coming together, the awareness of her strengths and my strengths and how they offset each other's weaknesses really allowed us to kind of go, okay, well, maybe we won't spend so much on material things, which was what she's really you know, experience that and comfortable with, and we won't let our money sit in a bank account and just be dead and not do anything and actually lose money just sitting there uh, kind of miserly. That bridge of those two ways of thinking helped us create something better for our children and for each other. I heard a few things there. And Jen, I heard you say suddenly that you had buy-in to the budgeting process because you understood the why behind it, the purpose. This is, I'm saying no to this because I'm going to say yes to something that matters so much more. We watch this happen. So many people spend by default rather than spend by design. Right. I remember our partner, Abe Shreve, over at our coaching company, and he said, and I'm paraphrasing here, a budget without a goal just feels like constraint. And I realized for me and Amy over the last year, I was so focused on the budget. And she wasn't really clear on why we were budgeting to begin with. She wasn't clear on why we were tracking our spending and why we were having weekly finance meetings because she wasn't clear on how what we were doing today would help us achieve what we wanted to achieve someday from now. Suddenly, when you sit down and you're able to ask questions rather than tell and find out what matters to them and walk all the way back to say, great, if we want to take our kids to Puerto Rico or to the Bahamas, how much is it going to cost? Okay, great. Now, how much is our actual budget for travel? What are the other trips that could possibly compete with this? What's the order of priority? What are all the other things that we will have to say no to in order to say yes to this? It's just thinking big and going small. That's, the, that's why coming together matters. You get clear on what matters most so you can act on what matters most. Exactly. Yeah, even even 10 years in, we fall into that trap still to this day. I get nerdy about the numbers and I had 100 countries in my mind that we wanted to visit. But after a while of saying that over and over again, Jen started to challenge of like, well, why 100? That feels arbitrary. Let's put a list together and prioritize if we're really prioritizing. So it's not just the money. It's also the things that are on your bucket list that you want to do. Um, coming together and, and not not being afraid to kind of open up and, and, and have some of your preconceived notions challenged will keep you out of that hole because we were just budgeting for budgeting sake and kind of doing numbers for numbers sake. And you really have to have that combination of big picture and, and the tactical of doing it. Mm-hmm. The thing that I keep hearing and it's unspoken, it's that just having the understanding of what's inside the other person's mind. It's the insight because The truth is anybody who's married knows that marriage is hard and continuing to grow together is a very big challenge, especially when you have different influences in your life. When you're sitting in a corporate headquarters or you're sitting out in the field, you have different mentors, different coaches, different friends, yet having that time just to sit down and ask great questions without judgment so that you can truly date each other and understand what it is that you want and how do you help each other get what you want. Well, one of the other things that was the most important for me is I was married before and we did not get along when it came to finances. So I had a lot of fear coming into our relationship around that just to begin with. And I think a lot of people have fear around it for whatever reason. The 
the emotional tie-in to those financial goals is the one thing for me that helps me buy into this process every year, time and time again. And now multiple times a year as we read, we used to just do once a year. Now we're doing our check-ins quarterly. We, we've you know not done that before, but we were doing like maybe once in the middle of the year. And if you'd told me that 10 years ago, I was going to be talking about this every week or every quarter, I would have really been upset. <laughs> Let's go there because I said it before. I'll say it again. People know how to set goals. They don't know how to have a relationship with them. What does your rhythm look like together so that you constantly have a relationship with your goals and with each other? At a baseline, I would say it's just like trying to lose weight or eat right. You got to get off this this trip about beating yourself up for falling off the wagon. We've fallen off as much as Jay and Wendy, if not more than most people have. It's it's very common. You got to get get off of that and start looking towards the future. So number one, you got to give yourself permission to just say, hey, we messed up. It's time to get back on track. And then it's about, like Jim was saying, a weekly touch-in on a four-on-one together and then quarterly review and reset like the couples retreat taught us as well. So pause real quick. You do weekly 411s together? Yeah, it's called a family 411. What does that look like? So family 411s was another tough one for me to buy into until it would get to the point where we were months in and JP would just show me the budget and where we were versus where we wanted to be. And I was like, oh, I can't like I can't do anything about this now. It's three yeah. months later or four months later. And I'm over budget in this category. He's over budget in that category. So what's the point? Like, I mean, I got very... We're looking at the past, not the future. Right. I started getting very upset about it and losing that buy-in that I had Mm. to do this process. So we sat down and talked about, well, what does that look like? And for me, I'm fine. I'm 100% okay relinquishing, quote unquote, control of our daily, weekly, monthly financial sort of interaction. JP likes to do that part. He's very good at the actuarial side of it. He likes to dig into the numbers. So letting go of that was fine. Letting go of that and not knowing what was happening is not fine. Mm. And we, when we got to that realization, this weekly 411, weekly family 411 was what we decided we needed to do where Sunday mornings, we get up, we get a cup of coffee. We don't do it first thing because we also realized I'm not a morning person. I need a cup of coffee. I need to wake <laughs> up for a minute before he starts talking to me about money. So, you know, be aware of how you behave in the morning uh, (laughs) if you're going to do this. And yeah, so we get our coffee, we sit down, we look through mint, talk about what our budgets look like, um, and then also look at the priority list. So if we have a vacation coming up and it's not fully planned, are we doing that today? If we, um, we need to look at our calendar for the week, what kids' activities are happening? What days are you not here in the evening? What days am I not here in the evening? What day are we doing our date night? What are we doing on our date night? So there's a litany of things that take a good 30 minutes to an hour for us to get through. And then the rest of our week is good. It's great. Yeah. yeah. For those of you who are not familiar with the 411, a 411 is a tool that we have inside the one thing that helps you get absolute clarity on your priorities. Your priorities for the year, the month, and the week, both professionally and personally. This is probably the most powerful tool that we have. And when we go into corporations and do training, this is the tool that we teach them to adopt. 
If you want to see the 411, go to theonething.com with the number one in the URL, click on free stuff, and you will see the 411 there. And in the very near future, we're actually going to have a full-blown training around the 411 on the training tab at theonething.com. So keep a lookout for that. If you have a small business or you know someone who does, you probably know that small business owners wear a lot of hats. And some of those hats are totally great. But some, like filing taxes and running payroll, may not be your one thing. That's where Gusto comes in. Gusto makes payroll, taxes, and HR actually easy for small businesses. Fast, simple payroll processing, benefits, and expert HR support all in one place. Gusto automatically pays and files your federal, state, and local taxes, so you don't have to worry about that. Plus, it's easy to add on health benefits and even 401ks for your team. Many of the old school payment providers just weren't built for the way that modern small businesses work. Gusto is. So as we go into the new year, ask the question, should we let somebody else wear some of those hats that maybe I shouldn't be wearing? In this case, listeners of the One Thing Podcast can get three free months when they run their first payroll. Try a demo and see for yourself at gusto.com slash one. That's G-U-S-T-O dot com slash O-N-E. I want to pull back because I'm hearing all this. And in the back of my mind, I just keep having Gary's message. Think big, go small. So many people. The majority of people who read the book or listen to this podcast or who go through any of our trainings, they consume all the content and the lessons and they go, that's great. And something in their mind says, I have to do all of it. And that's thinking big. And they try to act big by doing all of it. And then they fail because it's, it's just not a realistic expectation. The opportunity is for you to think big and to go small, to to start with the one thing, that single two-inch domino that all you have to do is flick your finger and it falls over. The one thing you can do such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary. What would you suggest for people as a lead domino? That's a question, right? Yeah, I would say... The easiest thing you can do if you're just getting started in this process is to, as you said, Jeff, pull out those questions, lean on that model, and have an awareness conversation without judgment. And then the next domino after that, if I could be so bold, is to say, meet on a Sunday and plan out your week together with that in mind, as non-confrontational as possible, to just start building that little habit of talking about it at a week at a time. Yeah, And then work in, if you're really struggling, then work up to let's plan out a month and plan out a year and maybe plan out the next 10 years. Some people would prefer to do the big picture and that's fine for some couples, whatever works for you. But I would start with the questions, as Jen said, and then a conversation about let's work together towards having a great week. Which again, the question you're talking about are in the kick-ass guide to your couple's goal setting retreat, which is on the free stuff page at theonething.com. I'm sharing this with everybody who's listening because we want you to know that perfection is highly overrated. And we allow this idea of perfection to get in the way of what's possible. I'm sharing this as the person behind the mic representing the brand for the last, gosh, three years. It started with Amy and me not even having a weekly rhythm of talking or goal setting or doing a retreat whatsoever. 
Finally, we did a goal setting retreat and we started having weekly finance meetings, which was basically me just interrogating why didn't we hit our budget last week? And I was wondering why she wasn't excited about this meeting. After this last year's goal setting retreat, though, we flipped a switch. We started doing family 411s. And I had this huge aha moment. When we had sat down to do our meetings in the past, I wasn't leveraging a model for those conversations. I was acting very entrepreneurially. I was thinking about what do I think we should be talking about? And I pulled something out of thin air and brought it to the table. And I didn't really have buy-in from Amy. Versus this year when we said, okay, look, we're just going to follow the process that we teach in the goal setting retreat. We're going to go do our goal setting to the now exercise. We're going to have our someday goals, our five-year goals, our one-year goals. Then for the goals that really matter, that are, that are big, complex, multiple people, we'll do a GPS for those. We did one for our finances for building net worth together. Then we each do our 411s individually, not together. Because my voice would often trump hers just because I have a stronger personality. So both of us now come to the table saying, these are our priorities. And then being able to have a conversation on a weekly basis around, okay, you said that these are the priorities for the month. What's the one thing you really can do this week? that will make everything else easier or unnecessary. Just having that insight, I've noticed something over the, the last week. She had four priorities on the personal side last week. And they were great priorities. One of them that's been really important to her for years was that she run four races because she wants to have an active lifestyle. That's the one thing she can do is run those four races. And when we came home, I remember saying, what are you going to do? And she said, I'm going to go clean the garage right now. And I thought, okay, this was not one of the things that was on her 411 for this week. And so I asked her, if you fast forwarded to the end of the day today or the end of this week, and you either did one, clean out the garage, or two, you went inside and you booked your four races, which do you think would actually matter more to you? I knew the answer because I knew it was on the front of the 411, but I wanted her to say it. And she said the races. I said, do you think it would be a good idea just to go inside for 10 minutes and to focus on that first? And then I'll drop everything that I'm doing and I'll help you clean the garage after. But that way, at least you moved the ball on what mattered to you first. And she said, okay, yeah. And she went inside, she did it. And when she came back, She had signed up for this junior triathlon. She had posted it on Facebook. She already had 10 people in her community that replied back that they were going to run it with her. And she was riding such a high because this is something she's wanted to do for years that she hadn't done because it had never been a clear priority to the point that she could say, I'm going to at least move the ball on this first before I do everything else. She allowed all the other things, the distractions, like cleaning the garage, to trump what mattered most. And what was crazy is she, she told me after, she goes, you know, I don't even know why I wanted to clean the garage. It just doesn't matter that much. I think that's a huge deal to the, what you're sharing there around doing 411s and bringing them together. I think for a long time, especially because you call it the family 411, it's easy to fall into this trap of like, oh, we're both responsible equally for these things. And mm-hmm. yes, you are, and you should work on them together. But the big aha that you and Jay gave me at least from the couples retreat, was to to take those off to your four ones and talk about what you're bringing back. Um, not to just hold each other accountable and turn your marriage into a coaching relationship, but to to really be clear on who's taking the lead on some things. And that's that's a tough thing. Um, we're still working through that now, but I know that that's 
a more appropriate way to handle it rather than kind of saying, well, this is what we both care about. And then going off and getting busy with the urgent and not necessarily the important. Well, That's a tough thing to struggle to, to grapple with. I want to make a point. I think that a lot of women may, it may resonate with a lot of women who are listening to this <clears throat> is we, no matter if you're a stay-at-home mom or you're a working person or you're not a mom at all, um, the guilt sometimes that we feel, and maybe this is true for men too, um, speaking from a female perspective, the guilt that we feel doing the things that we want to do or buying the things that we want to buy often comes because we never had this conversation to begin with. So if Amy, for example, felt like guilty about going and signing up for races because she felt like she had all these other things to do and didn't have that conversation with you and she held that in resentment for the next five years, your marriage would be in a much different place five years from now. But the fact that you have these questions that help us open up to each other and talk about the things that we want and get the buy-in from our spouse so we don't have to feel guilty and the spouse that we're with helps us not feel guilty about accomplishing those things and mm. getting to those goals is life-changing. We don't fight about money. I don't know very many couples who are married who don't fight about money. We did in the beginning and 10 years in, we we get each other's goals. We understand them. We talk about them. You, I have a realization, he has a realization of what it is that we both want. And if we're going to spend the money that we've earned in those categories and we've discussed it already, there's no fight. There's no issue. We don't, we don't have to hold it in resentment or feel guilty about doing it. I just had a major aha because obviously the couples retreat we're doing, whether it be the retreat or the master course, it's not just for couples. It's for any relationship that you have, whether that be relationship with your boss, your coworkers, relationship with a business partner. I mean, name any relationship that actually matters. And anytime there's resentment, it's because one person has an expectation that is not being met. And oftentimes that expectation is one that we manufacture inside our own mind and never communicate. And we wonder why we're not on the same page. No one succeeds alone. Yet so many of us, without even realizing it, we try to. Think about it. Who are the people in your world that actually matter most to you? They have a vested interest in your success. You cannot succeed without them having some level of buy-in. What are some of the places where resentment has happened in the past or there's been conflict in the past because truly you didn't have a model for being on the same page? How much we can be on the same page and that I know when I look back, I there wasn't something or or some experience that I haven't been able to do, um, which would have made me feel resentful towards my husband. And I feel like it's the way that we ensure we stay on the same page, stay bought in with each other and our family and what our life goals are so that we can enjoy life together. Yeah. Uh- I would agree with that. I think in terms of surprising, it was, <laughs> I'm surprised by how, how much your world will open up and get bigger if you let go of the limitations you're fighting for. Mm-hmm. And here's here's the way I look at it now, 10 years in. And this is going to be a little bit direct, so forgive me, but I don't know many Americans that are exposed to this kind of training at a young age, what the one thing and, and, and the books and the courses are doing. And now KDB Kids Can, all those things. 
I, I would just be willing to bet that if you're listening to this right now, you're as untrained and unprepared, if not stupid about this stuff as we are. And you just have to give yourself permission that none of us, especially in the United States through the public school system or just traditional culture here, were exposed to this kind of thinking and, and, and dialogue about what it means to manage your relationships and your time and your money in a way that's purposeful. It's all just sort of whatever your parents did or whatever you were exposed to in those models. And unfortunately, they were all designed for the industrial age. So, and here we are today, typically as couples arguing for the way we think about money and forgetting that we're all ignorant, quite frankly. And until you sit down with a model that's actually proven to work for others, you're really arguing for your limitation. Like, I like to spend because I have shame around it, so don't challenge it. So I, I should be allowed to spend or I, I should be allowed to save for every possible disaster and not have shame around it. Well, you know what? I don't want to argue for saving a bunch of money in a bank account that I never get to enjoy or my kids never get to enjoy. And she doesn't want to argue for buying material objects that don't really in the end satisfy us. So when we let go of arguing for these things that are really just defending our own shame and let go of it and start listening and asking these questions, I think that's when the world opens up. So what I hear you say is that every single one of us, there's some limitation that we're fighting for a story that we are telling ourselves, And when we dive deep, there's a reason for it. Whether we feel shame or whether we feel deprived or feel justified, entitled, there's some unspoken belief that we may not even be consciously aware of and we're fighting for it. And this is an opportunity. Instead of going tit for tat in the relationships that matter most, actually come from curiosity to ask, what is it that matters to you? Why? Does that matter to you? Not to judge them, but because you're genuinely wanting to know so you can help them get what they want. I'll give you a real world example. The first conversation we had on the very first retreat, she asked me how much money I spent on clothing budget and I asked her the same. <laughs> and she said $300. And I said, oh, oh, that's great. That's what I spent. But I was spending $300 a year and she was spending $300 a month. Neither one of those are good or bad, but when she, <laughs> when she, basically laughed that I was spending $300 a year, I could have taken the easy route and start defending that and arguing because I was proud of that. But then when she started opening my eyes to like, you're an executive at a very important company, it's time to start expanding that budget. It's definitely time to start dressing the part and you have the opportunity to do that. I could have gotten defensive and argued for the fact that I wanted to be miserly about it because I hate clothing and spending money on material things. But I had to open my mind to the fact that that's an old way of thinking. And Nobody really purposely taught me that. I just sort of absorbed it by watching others mm -hmm. who are on pathways that I don't want to follow. And so, and I think there were some things for her that we we compromised on and, 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 and yeah. opened up to, but it's all about not fighting for that old model that really isn't a model at all. The thing that's sitting with me is whatever your beliefs are around money, around conversations with the people that matter most, around goal setting, time, it's all a product of your environment over decades where you went to school who your mentors and coaches were, what your parents believed, what your friends believed. And all of that up until this point has been essentially by default. That's what you've got. The purpose of this podcast and the trainings that we do is to open your eyes and say, instead of living a life by default where I just get what I get, how do I live a life by design? How do I really become intentional 
about what I actually want out of life and figure out what are the things I can do today. The one thing I can do today to absolutely be appropriate in the moment and know that the people in my world have the same clarity and that we're marching forward together. You asked the question earlier about what those beginning dominoes look like. Mm. And I agree. I think the questions for sure are the first. For us, in full honesty and disclosure, our first year, we pretty much just did the questions. We didn't do much more. We had we we had our goals, but we didn't really do four on ones like we Right. We didn't do four on ones. We didn't do a weekly check-in. We did not do a monthly check-in or a quarterly check-in. We checked in again the next year. We looked at our budgets every once in a while. But for me, that first year, it was a lot just to sit down and do this and have my mind blown a little bit by the fact that we could come together and be on the same page. And for someone who had a lot of guilt around the way I spent money, it was the first year of my life where I did not have that guilt because I t- attempted at at most moments to be appropriate to what we had discussed because I wanted to be in a happy marriage. I wanted my husband to be happy. I wanted to be happy. And then a year later, when we came back around to think about it again, was when I was ready to plus it. So to do a little bit more of a check-in, to get a little more involved to be a little more on track with the budgeting and talk more often. And still, it wasn't a scripted weekly thing. So I don't want people who are really against this to think that like you have to jump in, do this, and then do something every week because that's scary. It was scary to me when I heard it. And I think we still accomplished in 10 years so much more by starting out very simply. When I think about the people who are in our Living Your One Thing community, they start learning how to do a weekly 411. And we found that it's very tough for them to understand how doing that one thing, or in the case of this episode, answering the questions on that kick-ass guide, how over years, and in your guys' case, a decade, what becomes possible when you just do that one thing consistently? Again, for everybody who's listening, think big, go small. We are not here to prescribe anything to you. We're here to challenge you to think and ask, what's the one thing I can do? Such that by doing it, everything else would be easier or unnecessary. And start there. Until you knock that lead domino down, don't worry about anything else. Just knock that one thing down first. Then you've earned the right to look up and ask, okay, what's the one thing I can do? Such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary. I'm curious because you started with the questions on the kick-ass guide to your couple's goal-setting retreat. You fast forward and you've been doing this for almost 10 years. You've actually made a financial investment to attend the goal-setting retreat. Why? What's the difference between just doing the questions on the guide versus attending the retreat or going through the online master course, which facilitates the retreat for you on demand? I think the biggest thing I was looking for personally was a community of other people who were doing this. Mm. I didn't know that many people doing it other than Jay and Wendy and still struggle with it sometimes. It's there are I'm a spender, not not as much of a saver. And there are still moments for me where I want to do more and spend more. And there are other people out there who want to live the life that we 
are also attempting to live. And I wanted to be around people like that to hear and reinforce what we're doing is the right thing and the way that we're thinking about it is the right way to go about it. Um, I also was looking for ways to plus what we were doing because it, like anything, it gets a little monotonous. Yeah. Yeah. And what are we not asking that we should be asking? Yeah, the best thing about a community like that is it it, it, get, it exposes you to people who are probably thinking or could be thinking bigger than you are. Mm-hmm. So I think I agree with Jen. It was, a, it was definitely a community. I also um, got stuck in, uh, I've been with KW for 14 years. I've been exposed to Jay and Gary for the same amount of time. And I used to teach the 411 and the GPS and the 135 in our company to other staff and I actually stopped doing it because I got so wrapped up in it, not not being able to be perfect at it, mm-hmm. that I, I got disenfranchised, not with using it, but with teaching it, I didn't feel valid. And going to the couples retreat and doing this and engaging with Jen, even and giving ourselves permission to just say, hey, we screwed up a little bit and it's not perfect, gives you that opportunity to kind of open your eyes to like, well, there's community where we can learn and grow faster and not have to recreate the, the wheel that's already been built before us. Right. So I think couples retreat and engaging in this community online or at the retreat itself at that event was it's huge. It's about mastering the basics. And that's all we should ever focus on instead of trying to get all complicated with it. Really just go back to those core basics. Yeah, it's interesting. Vince Lombardi at the beginning of every season walks into the locker room on the first day of practice and holds up a football and says, gentlemen, this is a football. Because the truth is, it's so easy to get distracted by the shiny new objects, the new tactics. Yet tactics aren't what leads to extraordinary results. It's the surprisingly simple truths. And I really appreciate that. I I want people to know if you choose to go on this journey, the questions don't change. The models don't change. Even as much as you go through them year after year after year after year, those things don't change. What does is your answers. There's a story of Albert Einstein when he was a professor at Princeton. After a few semesters, the other professors came to him and said, hey, Einstein, the the students are on to you. They know that you're never changing the questions on your tests. You need to switch it up. And Einstein looked at him and said, I refuse. And they said, why? And he said, because I'm going to keep asking the same questions because the answers keep changing. That's part of enduring the monotony of success. So, Wherever you choose to begin, whether you want to start with the basic questions on that kick-ass guide, or if you want to do it at the higher level by either attending the retreat we put on in November or going through the online master course right now, the difference is that it actually facilitates your retreat so you go through the entire goal-setting process. You just have a much higher level of clarity and you know what you need to do absolutely every day to be aligned with your goals. Our hope is that you start somewhere and know that it's probably going to get boring and whatever the payoff is, it's on the other side. And communities do some really great things for you in that they give you permission to not be perfect at this, uh, which was a big win for me going to that. It's just realizing, okay, even Jay still struggles with this sometimes and they fall off track. And even Jeff and Amy have their challenges with doing it. And even, even Gary has had his challenges in following everything perfectly. But the idea is that there's a model that we're looking at. And the community also gives you that ability to move faster. And um, the thing about this is as... as the categories don't change and the questions don't change. If, you, if you're in a community and you're engaging in it and you're really building your relationship together as a couple, it is fun. I mean, like the things we think about doing now, which is categorizing countries we want to go to beyond just being a number, but actually a priority of where we want to visit in the world and what we want to do with our children there. It's, it's giving me the confidence that when we are on our deathbed, God forbid, we can look back and not have regret. This is the best gift we could give each other. It's the best 
best, best gift you could give your children if you have children or if you plan on adopting children or whatever, do this for the sake of giving them a better opportunity. That's worth it. Even if you're alone or single or, or, or just getting started in this process, be, be aware of what you're creating for people yeah. around you. Let's be really clear because the whole purpose of this podcast is not just to fill your ears with awesome ideas. It's hopefully to inspire you. It's to empower you to get into action so that you can then turn around and empower others to get into action. So our question is, out of everything that you heard in this episode, what's your lead domino? What's the first step? And I'll recap the tools we've covered in this if you want to choose to make one of them your lead domino. There's the questions that Jen and JP have spoken on the free stuff page of theonething.com. That's the kick-ass guide to your couple's goal-setting retreat. We've also got the 411 template for you to download there as well. And then there's trainings around the 411 on the training page. It's called our Living Your One Thing community. So you'll see Living Your One Thing there. And if you want the retreat facilitated for you, it's called the One Thing Couples Goal Setting Master Course. If you want to attend this coming year, we've got two. You'll see them there, the Reset Retreat and the Couples Goal Setting Retreat. The choice is yours. Where will you begin? And will you be the type of person that actually explores it before you check your next email today? So for you, Jen and JP, anything final that you'd like to share before we wrap? I just don't know what our life would look like right now if we hadn't done this. And I, it scares me to think what our life would look like if we hadn't done this, because I think we would have missed out on a lot of amazing opportunities to be together with each other, with our kids and doing the things in life that we are the most happy about doing. Yeah. And there's still challenges. There's still things that we're struggling with, but man, it feels good to at least be in a community and have a model to look to, to figure out how we're going to handle that in the future, at least have confidence in that instead of being entrepreneurial with the next 10 or 15 years of our lives. 